I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. We have an awesome episode for you today. I have to say, this woman, Jada Selner, I love her. She and I have been on a group text stream together for now a couple of years, and we've still not met in person, but I feel quite close to her because of the amount we text. Um, I just really have impressed with her insights, her wisdom, her ability to kind of coach people through to a new perspective. And today we are going to let you in on how she teaches people how to grow their email list in 30 days or less using challenges, how simplifying your business model can lead to huge results. Like she grew an Instagram and an email list from nothing to like 300 times the size with her previous company, Simple Green Smoothies. Um, what was it? Tell me what uh, it actually says. Much Sorry. greater. Well, I'm literally totally making up her bio. Why don't you just read it? Much greater <laughs> than 300%. She's an author, international keynote it's more speaker. more like 300,000%. Yeah. She is the creator of Love Over Metrics. It's a business growth incubator and build your challenge at jadaselner.com, which we've just talked about. She's been featured in Entrepreneur, Women's World, CBS, the Oprah Magazine, Family Circle, and The Doctors. But she started three businesses. But as of Simple Green Smoothie, she built a community of 355,000 subscribers, reaching more than 30 million page views, 415,000 Instagram followers, and 320,000 Facebook fans. Unfreaking believable. And now she works with women entrepreneurs to simplify, amplify their businesses and to put love over metrics, which we will talk about. However, that doesn't mean the metrics don't count because she is all about the tangible results. So we also talked about homeschooling and how she sets up her life with her daughter and her husband and her transition from her original business to her second business to now her third business. So if you are pivoting or thinking about pivoting, you're going to get a lot of benefit from this. And you will also learn about powerful challenges to grow your community. Mm -hmm. So enjoy Jada. Hi, Jada. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this cozy conversation with two co-hosts. I feel extra special right now. Yeah, there aren't that many podcasts with two I mean, I guess actually there's plenty, but a lot of people say when they come on that it's one we of should, their only should, times with oh, two okay. co-hosts. I thought you were going to say something else. I've only ever been on another <laughs> podcast with two co-hosts. And I will say it's a little weird. For It was weird for me. So you'll have to tell us at the end if it was weird for you or not. <laughs> I love it. Mike, what were you going, what, what did you think she was going to say? I mean, having a co-host partner's weird. So, you know, it's like strange. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say, but since I just wanted to add that in there. No, I thought she was going to say something else, but we will come back to that. Oh, okay. Open that looks like a little cliffhanger, but what if yeah. we don't? Why don't you tell well, us now? Well, we're either going to come back to it or we're not. Like, it's not necessary for this conversation and I'll explain why. Okay. All right. <laughs> if we don't, I'll tell you at the end. So, anyway, <laughs> if we remember. Oh my goodness. Okay. So... You took a leap of faith to start a business. How many years ago did you start your first business? 
Over 10 years ago, my husband and I started a brick and mortar business in Kauai together. And, and what was that business? It was called Little Sprouts Playhouse. So it was an early childhood education play center. And we ended up having a Montessori inspired toddler program. That's when my husband started teaching music, like early childhood music education. But that business really started from a place of, we lived in Los Angeles. My husband and I were both actors, paid actors. He was a musician in a rock band, like performing at like hard rock cafe, you know. And I was like, we have a baby and you cannot keep being like a performer, an actor, all of these things. You need to take care of our baby. And so I'm like, get a real estate license. We moved to Kauai, sight unseen. And it was 2008. So nobody was hiring. We didn't know that at the time, you know, trying to take that big, brave leap of faith. And in Kauai, living on an island, you make money in tourism or you have to start your own business. And no one was hiring. So we started our own company from a place of, we're depleting our savings account. We have this baby. I thought you were going to make all this money and I could just be home with the baby. That did not happen, but it kickstarted my entrepreneurial brain of how could I create something doing work that I love and also making money where I can have my daughter by my side. That's amazing. And how many years did you run that? For three years. And it was intense. Like we were wearing so many hats. My husband and I were fighting over money that we didn't have. There was one time where I like was like skirting out. We ended up moving into the playhouse too. So that's how tight like funds got. Like my daughter's bedroom was in a closet. It was like the bed just fit in there. Our beds were on cinder blocks. Like it was, you know, we were making, what is it? Salmon patties on the grill on the, the playhouse patio on little tykes benches, like plastic benches. So <laughs> it was intense during that season, but it also like built so much creativity for us as a couple of like, well, if we survive this, like we can survive anything. But yeah, it was such an intense time. And we also learned that we actually don't want to do business together. So we don't, we run our own companies now. <laughs> <laughs> was that the only business venture that you did together? Yes. Yes. And, and what... So at the year three, what was the turning point that had you say, okay, something else needs to happen here? Yeah. So, you know, one of the entrepreneurial advice I got was that you have to be willing to pivot to what the market wants. And so my original vision for Little Sprouts Playhouse was that parents would pay to play and stay with their kids. You know, like, you know, I, you guys probably have like indoor playgrounds, indoor playhouses. We where do. You we go. have a couple of them. They're yeah. Great. Yeah. Especially in a place like Maine where like it's cold <laughs> eight months out of the year, you really need to be inside. <laughs> yes. And so that was the original vision. And what we learned was that parents want to pay for you to play and they go away. So we pivoted. We like listened to the marketplace and that's when we had the toddler Montessori program. And then I was spending four hours every day. Like I multiplied Zoe. She was a toddler at the time. So we multiplied her, like we 10 X her. And I was like, mm -mm. but I loved the marketing. I loved the what I loved like taking care of people, welcoming them in. And Zoe would be pushing them out the door. Like this is my place, not yours. She was an excellent marketer for our business. <laughs> <laughs> 
and we just like even us working and leading this program four hours a day I just knew like my energy was draining it wasn't the way that I wanted to serve and we decided to close the business down liquidate our assets we explored like selling it but we were just I actually applied for University of San Francisco and got in so that's actually like I was looking for like this isn't it what is it so we shut down shop and moved back to California with my husband's parents so with the in-laws for six months and that wasn't the healthiest environment so I actually didn't end up going to school so it was a it's just like I was looking for like what is it I was clinging and searching to like that's not it that's not it but I continued moving forward so yeah I have 10 years of college education but no college degree you have far more education than I do in that case. <laughs> it was a long, the 10 year college plan. I was like, I'll get a degree one day. It just, it hasn't happened. And then, you know, yeah, my simple grain smoothies finally took off. And I was like, Are you going to go back? You know, I'm a lifelong learner. The degree is not as important to me as I love being in a classroom. Like I love being with other humans. And I think that's what I recreate with my own clients is like, yeah. we're in a classroom, we're learning butts in seat. Like I don't actually love virtual learning. Like I want to be with humans in real life. I think you should maybe wait till you're like 40 years out. Then go back and be like, it took me 40 years to get a college degree. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, so. <laughs> I yeah. love it. But you know what? Like, you're such a great example. I really love gathering examples of people who don't have a degree who have been wildly successful because I just think that with the way the educational system is, it's such a myth that you mm -hmm. need a degree. You know, and I think with our girls, you know, I don't know how you feel about Zoe, but with our girls, you know, we're a ways off. We're like... 14 years off from this, but I hope when I get there, I'm not too, still too brainwashed by the system to tell them that they have to go to college because I really don't believe that. Yeah. And we just started homeschooling Zoe in middle school. So I'm completely unattached. Wait, let's talk about that then. Okay. I have so many Hold things. On, I, oh my can, I, can I make a comment about what you were talking about earlier <laughs> before we dive into that? Because we just, we've been looking at schools around here. We just went to the Waldorf. They had a tour today. So we've just been like exploring everything that's in the area. So it's like cool to hear different perspectives. Yeah, it is. So just one random thought, you can take it or leave it or whatever, but like working with your husband, right? Running your business. So... <laughs> It's just something to, it's like, if I was to work with Kate where it's all small children around all day, that would be a nightmare. Right. But like, as we are doing this, so it's, you know, it, it's never, you can never, it always could be a possibility in the future to come back there. If the right thing is always without know? small children. Yeah. Without small sure. children. I think it's a power dynamic. I, yeah, for sure. I get into a very masculine energy around business and strategy. And my husband's more like creative. It's like, he's finally owning, like I'm an entrepreneur. I run my own business. Like he's generated six figures teaching kids music and loves the work that he does. So and I just, I know too much. And like, it's just like, we shift the power dynamic when we partner in that way, but Got I'm it. totally open. Like we're if familiar. I'm yeah. <laughs> we've done a lot of therapy. We, we I, understand. <laughs> I, I, I think we have a shared couples therapist actually. Oh, he's amazing. Oh, David? Yes. Yeah. Our life. Uh -huh. Oh, thank God for David. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So I actually, I'm going to put a pin in the education conversation because I really want to come back there. But before we do that, I want to pick the thread up that we were on. Can you tell whatever version it could be, the Cliff's Notes version, you could really get into it. 
whatever your desire is right now, the story of Simple Green Smoothies. Yeah. So Simple Green Smoothies was never supposed to be a business, right? So my friend and business partner, Jen Hansen and I, we met in a mom's meetup group and I saw that she did design and I ended up reaching out to her because I knew e-zines were really cool. Like that's the thing, like how do I, okay, I still want to be an entrepreneur. I do not want a brick and mortar business, but I still want my daughter by my side. So then I got into the whole online business world and it's like, you need an e-zine. <laughs> and so <laughs> I love that. And you need to sell an ebook. So that was like my laser focus. And so I actually reached out to Jen to design my newsletter header. And she's like, it's normally $150, but for you, I'll give you a friend's discount. It'll be $75. And I was like, sweet. And so she was hearing my vision about this parenting newsletter that I was going to start. And I wanted a potty training ebook. Like I was just thinking of all the different ideas. She basically reached out and like, I love your vision. I've always wanted to start a blog, a parenting blog. And so we ended up creating a blog together and going partners and it was called Family Sponge. And in that we were sharing eco-friendly crafts and green smoothie recipes because I had started drinking green smoothies. I'd lost 27 pounds in three months. And so I was like wow. spreading the word to everybody. I was like, you need a blender, you need a blender. And <laughs> But it was just the fuel for me to like really give me the energy to like go after my next thing. It wasn't part of a business plan. I was like, I'm going to make an ebook for parents. But in that process, a friend of mine, my new yen, she's the founder of my healthy dish. She had just gone on Instagram in 2012. And, she, and I was like, I'm thinking about doing a green smoothie ebook. Like, you know, I was just thinking of like, what are all the different ideas? And she's like, if you're going to, you know, promote, you know, something on green smoothies, health and wellness is so hot on Instagram. And she's like, just start sharing green smoothie recipes on Instagram. And I was doing this on like an iPhone three. Like it was like so fuzzy. And so I just started a standalone Instagram account that shared smoothies and, you know, my friend's like, I will give you a shout out once you have like 12 photos in your grid. She gave us a shout out and like went from, you know, a couple, like 10 people to 800. And I was like, oh my goodness, everyone wants this. So then just like people kept giving us shout outs from our recipes and it went from 800 to 3000 Instagram followers. And then by six months, we had 30,000 followers on Instagram. So that's really the birth of the business that wasn't supposed to be a business was we were starting to get traction on like one core topic, which was green smoothies. But we were still thinking we're going to sell this green smoothie ebook on the parenting blog. So that was like the, the plan. And then I was like, I don't think all the people that are following us are parents and they're going to be really confused. So that was where we started to make this shift and pivot of basically Jen designed a whole website called simplegreensmoothies.com to support the influx of Instagram growth and reach. So that that's kind of the the origin story of that. And then we ended up hosting our first 30 day green smoothie challenge. And that's where we translated Instagram followers to an actual email list. And that really built our business, which I'm happy to go deeper into. Okay. I want to highlight something that I'm hearing that's a parallel in what you did in both of your business that, that I, I want our listeners to hear, which is that you started both with a passion and a genuine desire to serve, or at least in the, the play space, 
it was the time of your life that you were yep. in. So it was like the water you were swimming in. So you might as well make it a business, which I totally get. <laughs> so you started with like something that was in your heart and then you modified it. You modified the idea based on what the market was asking for. So I just want to highlight that because I think that I hear people saying it's all just follow your heart and do what's your passion or it's all a hundred percent just give your customer what they want. And I think your story, both businesses that we've gotten to so far are a beautiful meld of the two. Yeah. So thank you for that. And now I would love to know <laughs> about the next part with Simple Green Smoothies. I'm still remembering when you came on as an Origin Maven Masterclass guest, how blown away I was by the simplicity of this business model. And it just, that, that really turns me on. So... <laughs> So take it away. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because we had an, a free ebook for Simple Green Smoothies, which was like five free recipes. And with our 30,000 Instagram followers, it grew our email list to 2,000 subscribers. So we were like, oh, okay, that's, that's uh, okay. <laughs> that's cool. And then we had this idea of, you know, it was a habit of ours of drinking one green smoothie a day. We got our toddlers to drink them. And so we were feeling like super proud moms of getting our kids to drink kale and spinach. And so <laughs> we decided to host a challenge and we actually reached out to another health and wellness blog who was doing really well on Facebook. And so we we're like, can we partner with you? We'll do all of the design. It can be hosted on like your platform. We just want the exposure. And they never replied. And I love what Amber Ray says is like, look at rejection as redirection. So we're like, well, the idea is here. We'll just run with it on our own. It was the best silent no reply, no ever. And so we just hosted this free challenge on Instagram. We were also posting on Facebook and we're like, Hey, if you want the shopping list and the recipes, opt in, give us your email. And we grew our email list from 2000 to 30,000 email subscribers in that first challenge. So just showing the differentiation between <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> and just to kind of give you a pre, like we grew our email list ultimately to over 355,000 subscribers with no paid advertising, no guest posting, no affiliates. And we used and rents and repeated this challenge model every quarter. So this became a thing, but we didn't know. We were just mm -hmm. throwing spaghetti at the wall, this first challenge. And I was like, whoa, that really worked. And so with that, and also our challenges are nine emails. It's like not that complicated, you know? How many days is it? So nine days, it was 30 days, 30 days, well, it was mm -hmm. 30 days, but nine emails that you yes. get within the 30 days. Yeah. So we would send a, you know, a welcome email, a, a weekly email with like on Thursdays or like, Hey, you know, next week, Monday, you get your shopping list, you get your recipes and people could follow along with the challenge, even if they didn't opt in but they would just get the recipe that day. Does that make sense? So I see. Okay. So you were, you were gifting subscribers, the gift of getting information and getting prepared early. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's but we're still, because that's also so simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we're also still adding yes, value. The website's called Simple Green Smoothies. I know. Smoothies. And obviously I struggle with simplicity, which is why I get so excited when other people nail it. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my superpowers is simplicity and not overwhelming people because everyone wants to make, for people who choose to do challenges, try to overcomplicate it. And like, we know so much, so we want to give people so much, mm -hmm. but that's actually not in service of them. Like you want to get them that small, quick win that gives them the confidence to then take the next step and they're ready to invest.
But before that, they don't know that they can even do it. So we're building their confidence and we're also building our credibility at the same time. Yeah. And then let's talk about how you do that with food, right? Because you're doing this with smoothies and that's one of the most, I like, I just, somebody texted me today and said, did you watch the game changers movie that was on Netflix? This whole doc about plant-based eating, et cetera. And there's all these facts, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but I said, it just leaves you at the end. Be like, what do I just do now? You know, it's like, okay, I'm supposed to eat more plants, but then what, you know? So, and that's what I've noticed a lot with, especially with cookbooks or anything to like get on this diet, let's say, or do smoothies or get on. So how is it that you took from your customer standpoint that you kept it simple where they can actually implement what needs to happen over the course of the 30 days and not get lost? Yeah. So I think that's such a great question. And I really looked at my own journey. So green smoothies was the domino for me, but I took many more steps after that. So I started drinking green smoothies every day. I got more energy. I started losing weight. And then I was like, now I want to eliminate meat from my diet. And I was like, texting all of my vegan friends, like, how do you not have turkey on Thanksgiving? How do you like, so the curiosity was open. And then I'm like, I want to do a cleanse. I want to eliminate meat from my diet. So I was recreating my transformational path for them. Like if we went straight into like cleanse, don't eat meat, that's too much too soon. So I really just recreated my own path for them, which was like, don't change anything about your diet. Just start drinking one green smoothie a day. That is all we're asking. Eat whatever you want, Cheetos, all the things, and then we'll come back. You'll naturally want to, you'll crave the other food. It's just how our, you know, the biodynamics mm-hmm. of what happens when you put more plants in your body, your body's like, yes, I've been waiting for this. So true. I'm eating so many more plants right now. I'm doing like a brief moment of only plants. I don't want to like label myself. So I'm just calling it a brief moment of only plants. And I feel incredible. Like it's amazing. Anyway. And Cheetos. No Cheetos. It's it's only plants and Cheetos. But I was raised macrobiotic vegan. So I've like leftover (laughs) childhood trauma about it, which is why I'm giving myself permission to take it one day at a time. Um, Okay. (laughs) But I have a question as somebody who has a tendency to overcomplicate things. And I think a lot of our listeners do as well, which is I'm asking it selfishly, but also for you. So let's say your, (laughs) your own journey wasn't so simple as like, I started drinking green smoothies and then it was this domino effect in my life because for me, and maybe this won't apply to other people, but I'm just going to be as specific as I can, because this is my question for me. It never felt like, Oh, I did this. And then I did this, <laughs> I did this. And then I did this. It's always like, because I think I, I grew up in an environment where there was so much unusual information and, and so whatever. So I just like, really have a tendency to avalanche people um, right. and I'm getting better and better all the time. But when you're working with your one of somebody in your mastermind, let's say, or in your course about right. growing your right about challenges, yeah, what is it yeah. build your challenge. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> build your challenge. Yes. What are some of your tips for taking something that feels complex and making it more simple, like something more like growing a business or personal development that is just like, oh my God, there's so many places we could go here. Yes. I I love this question. First, there's overcomplicating, but also paying attention. Are you overcompensating 
or like, so that piece, right? Like we're over delivering because I'm a natural over deliverer and like, like I'll compensate extra and be extra responsible. So also just paying attention because a bit of our worthiness gets caught up in how much we give upfront. But again, it's not in service of the person that you're really trying to help. If I were coaching you, that was I would brilliant. <laughs> I just, are we overcomplicating or are you overcompensating? I just want to take a moment. That was really big. So can you explain more of that? Cause I don't fully comprehend yet. I think you don't do this. Do I? Over- oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Cause yes. I, that's me. <laughs> Yes. And, and I, and I would say that it's definitely comes from a more like female perspective, right? That, that, that tends the overgiving, the over responsibility, the overcompensating to, okay. To kind of, I'm, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great, to, it's great for you to raise your hand and be like, I don't get this. And we're like, Oh, we see, we see why. <laughs> like, it, yeah. yeah, that's actually totally. And we want to borrow, right. we want to borrow some of that from mm-hmm. you. Yeah. <laughs> so well, the patriarchy I would, is holding on strong. To it. <laughs> so you got to keep on over compensating because we are holding it simple over here. <laughs> Just simple, kidding. simple is valuable. And it so is. if I were coaching you, Kate, I would ask you for a spark moment in your life because yes, you've been inundated with stuff, but there, there was a talk that you watched, a book that you read, a quote that you heard. There was something that really just lit an extra level of spark for you where you're like, not from like your family inundating you, but you were then self-motivated to go down the rabbit hole. So could you think of like, and was there a, like a tiny moment or something that you read? Like, what was that for you? Yeah. Well, I'm just, of course I'm listening to you and I'm like, what challenge are we going to do? <laughs> yes. Let's create your challenge. Right. Like I just, I mean, we've done so many and they've all been really great, but I think that what I love so much about what you're talking about is you're doing the same thing. I know there are different types of challenges, but this particular one is doing the same thing every day as opposed to layering on, do this, then do this, do then do this, right? right. Um, like we did the money love challenge, which was wildly successful. I think we it grew our email list by like 14,000 people the first time we did it. No paid advertising, totally organic, but it was a new thing every day. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Wait, what was, I'm totally, I completely yeah. just lost my your, your spark moment. Oh, the spark yes. moment. Thank like you. When, when you have an a- avalanche, you're like, I have so much. It was coming from me in all these different directions. But yeah, your- my spark moment, which is, which is the work that I'm doing now. I mean, it, it is where do less came from was when I got my period back after our first daughter and I started tracking it for the first time. And it was like this return to myself that I had never or a remembering of who I was that it was so profound and it continues to be so profound. I had another layer of it after my cycle came back after Ruby was born and our mutual friend, Sarah Jenks, who introduced us like (laughs) texted me and told me I should go like pour the blood on the earth and do this ceremony. And I was like, Oh my God, you're so weird. But I totally did it. And it worked and it, it's, it worked. it's such an important conversation. So that 
just tracking your cycle, right? So that's it, just tracking your cycle. So then I'm like, oh my God, that could be the challenge. And then it's going to sell your journals. It's going to sell all the things. It's like the system and the philosophy, but it's It's such a simple task. And I will say that there, you know, what I teach is there are three different types of challenges. So what you've been doing is probably like an activity-based challenge where there's different prompts each day that you follow along. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then there's also a step-by-step process challenge where you're like, Okay, first you do this, then you do that. And at the end, you get this outcome. Okay. And then what Simple Green Smoothies was habit-based challenge. So it's like do the same thing every single day. So there's no one right way path, right. but just make that path so simple. Not like you're going to build your website and like, you know, like we overcomplicate it. So we want it to be simple. Mm, <laughs> Can you good. give yeah. an example of a result-based challenge? Like there's, you know, Yeah. Totally. Like so you'll get this at the end. Yeah. So I did a create your 90 day business plan in five oh, I days love that. challenge. So it was a different prompt each day that people were following along. But by the end, you would have your priority projects for the next 90 days of how to end your year strong. So that would be a results base where it's like, okay, this day we're going to celebrate our wins this day. We're going to look at the calendar, you know, yeah. so these very simple things that we're doing within 45 minutes or less per day. And is there a recommended ideal length of time of a challenge? Like I know you guys did 30 days. Yeah. So what I say, yeah. And I think that, you know, as social media and just there's so much, so much to consume, the shorter, the better now. So what I would ask is what's the minimum amount of time that it's going to take for someone to achieve that small win? Mm-hmm. Uh, so with green smoothies, you start feeling the the shifts in about three to five days. So I would say like, okay, the minimum length should be five days. So we've actually, you know, we did the 30 day for many years and then Jen has shifted it to seven days. We were always talking oh. about like, should we like make it less? Like, so people finish and they finish strong because 30 days is a, is a long time. Mm-hmm. I will say what was really powerful about the 30 days is we got to court our community over a longer Mm -hmm. period of time. So even though you're expanding the length of the challenge, we were still sending the same amount that you would send if it was a five day or seven day challenge, right? Like it's just like you're, you're just concentrating how many emails someone gets in one day, or you can pace them out where you get one email per week. So there's, it's a way of also creating content for you to add value to your community on a consistent basis. So if you stretch it out, people are just kind of paying attention for a longer period of time versus kind of like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, you know, cheap first date, which is like (laughs) what I look at, like PDFs, like downloadable PDFs. That's like the cheap first date versus a challenge is more like courting your community over a longer period of time. And when you were doing those challenges, it was the community, like the way you were interacting was just on Instagram. Instagram. There wasn't like a Facebook group or anything like that. There was no Facebook group. So it was Instagram, Facebook, you know, people were also commenting on our website comments at that time. And we'd grown like our, our visitors was like over a million visitors per month. Like it just grew from the challenge and all of that great, just natural organic SEO too. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. It's impressive. Okay. Do you have any other challenge questions? I don't have challenge questions. Okay. I have other questions, but not. Questions. <laughs> okay. And me I, too. Yeah. And I, and I would just say that there is potency in finding your signature challenge. So I know that you've tried different 
challenges over time and they all work. But if you can become known for one signature challenge that becomes the funnel into your offers, it just creates a more powerful brand. So it's like, oh, have you signed up for the 30 day green smoothie challenge? Have you signed up for Kate's like track your cycle? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's just something that it's the consistency of showing the same thing over and over again. And people will repeat it. Like they, like people are like, this yeah. was my eighth 30 day green smoothie challenge. It just gets people back on if yep. they like lost a little focus. So I personally, like you can try some different challenges on, but I ultimately want you to find your signature thing that then you become known for. And that becomes your funnel into your paid offers. Okay. I love that. Hmm. So while I understand how a challenge would then work as a funnel into a paid offer for one of our listeners who might not, can you explain that? Yeah. So, you know, I look at the challenges, that's a way to attract your community and also nurture them and build that trust and your credibility. So they are like, okay, this person can help me get results. And then at the end of the challenge, that's your opportunity to invite them to take the next step with you. So that's what we would do at the end of the challenge is we would invite them into our plant-based 20 day cleanse. And so that was the invitation for the next step. And, you know, we did our first challenge to cleanse and did $86,000 in 10 days. And that was created from serving our community. And this was our third challenge by the time that we did it. So you don't have to sell the very first time. If people are like, I don't even know what my product is. Let the challenge build your email list and your community first, and then get to know your audience and see what product you can create for them. And then that product ended up generating a million dollars and over a million dollars in sales in two years by just rinse and repeating challenge opt-in. We send you some emails and towards the end of the challenge, we're also going to invite you to our paid product. And I mean, that's really the, that's the funnel. <laughs> it's so simple. <laughs> and you had a thing that was the five P's. Can you say what those are? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like, oh, it's been a while. So it's, <laughs> I'll help you if you can't remember. <laughs> Yes. It's, I'm like, oh my goodness. Cause I have the five S's. There's so many, there's so many things I have, but really focus. We're just like, this is alphabet training for our kids. Instead of homeschooling or regular schooling, we're just going to teach them alliteration letters of via internet marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I first heard about it from Talkie Moore, but he credited it to, is it Clay Collins? I, I'm sorry if I'm messing his up, but he calls it the five ones. But for me, it's like the fastest path to a million dollars is really going all in on that one core person you're looking to serve and then getting really clear on the product that solves the problem for them, right? So what's that process that you're taking them through? And then choosing one platform. So is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn? Is it podcast? But what's that core platform? What am I Messing. The promotion yes. strategy? One, yeah, one promotion strategy. So for us, that was challenges, right? That's the promotional strategy that we're using. And then you have your one, like that's your 12-month plan. And that's your plan. Yeah. So that was the person, the product, the platform, the promo, and the plan. Yeah. And you could throw in a 6P, which would be the problem that you're solving. Right. Yeah. And I look at like the product is the problem and the process and the promise. Like they almost, like there's All so many P's. Yeah. There were a lot of P's. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the key is that you're 
it was better what you said, which is the five ones. That's correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's the piece that I think that a lot of folks, like some of our origin women, for example, will come in and they're like, I have three businesses and, you know, and da 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 da. And I'm like, well, you know, that's going to be really hard yeah. <laughs> to run three. But I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, like it's just hard or like I have three ideal customers and I'm like, eh, right. Be tough. And we have to sometimes even just like flipping a coin or like really yes. embodying the decision. Like something I have my clients do is like say it out loud as if it's already true. So it's like, I want to serve teachers and like say it out loud as if that's already true. I want to serve moms and like feel it, embody it. And then you just have to choose. And sometimes it's just flipping a coin to get to that. And when you flip the coin, see where your body really wanted the answer to be. But we just we have to be willing to experiment and try something on and be okay if it's not the right way. But we're going to know if we actually just choose it and do it and feel it. And it's like, nope, not it. And I've experienced that with people that I serve of like, am I serving beginning entrepreneurs, more advanced entrepreneurs? Like there's even nuance in that, in the conversation that you have. And I've had to try it on and I can see my shifts and pivots of that. I get the most impact for people who already have momentum and traction and they're ready to grow their team and expand their message and want to nurture their community and not get disconnected from who they serve in the world. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So I want to hear more about what you're doing now. And before we do that, let's back up and just hear the story of when was the moment that you knew that simple green smoothies wasn't going to be it for you anymore. Ooh, okay. <laughs> How, what was the time length too? Like yeah. when, what oh. year did you start this and when did you? Hella long. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that when you have that little nudge where your like heart is pulling you in another direction, that it takes about two to three years to really fully own it and make the decision. So I was invited to speak at Chris Gilbo's World Domination Summit in 2014. And I was like, we were oh. there. No, honey, we, that's the first year we didn't go because we were getting married. Remember, Chris wanted to throw oh, us a WDS yes, wedding. Right. We got engaged in 2013 at WDS. Yes. Now, yeah. We didn't go in 2014. Every, so we missed your talk. Oh. The dates up with but I've seen it Penelope's online. Birth. Yeah. <laughs> it's life is confusing. Okay. So back I love to your it. talk at WDS. <laughs> yes. And I remember feeling so torn of just like, oh, is this something where I'm, I'm talking about simple green smoothies and my business partner's going to come here? And it was like, you're going to tell your story. And in that, it became a domino effect of like, okay, well, I'm going to have a personal brand website. I'm going to like all of these pieces. And I was already talking a lot on podcasts behind the scenes of growing challenges. So that when I did that talk, a literary agent, Chris Gilbos, actually came up to me and was like, this talk is a book. And so I met with all these publishers and different things, editors. And then I was like, uh, it doesn't seem right. It's like Simple Green Smoothies, that book. There's like something that needs to be completed here first. And we need to write the Simple Green Smoothies book first. And then this will come. But the seed was planted in 2014. And then I just had all the awkward moments of, am I in? Am I out? This is the year of Simple Green Smoothies book. There were so many like fork in the roads where I had to keep choosing Like, is it simple green smoothies or is this this thing that's really calling me forward? And it was in the top of 2016 when I read my three-year vision to my business partner, to Jen. And that really solidified that this had nothing to do with her. It had nothing to do with the business. This is just like where my soul 
like the three-year vision was about serving world-changing women who are moms and they talk about my coaching and, and I hadn't done any of these things yet, leading retreats and inspiring locations. And then it was like simple green smoothies was like a last paragraph. And like, we have a team that's just running everything. (laughs) (laughs) So when I read that to her, that was my coming out moment of like, this is what I really want And here's why there's so much tension of we're no longer moving in the same direction. I'm trying to build a team so I can go do this other thing. And she was still all in. And so we came to that agreement of like, you're all in, like keep growing and moving this company forward. And, you know, there's downsides too when your heart is no longer in a business, right? We could also feel the dip in revenue. We could feel the dip Mm -hmm. in our communication and connection during that season of like, I'm not here anymore. Like, and I don't want to be. And that was really hard because this was also my family's livelihood. My husband quit his job of 13 years. And, you know, like, so to make that leap was huge. And I remember asking my friend, mentor, Jonathan Fields, I was like, am I crazy for leaving? And he was like, you are asking the wrong question. The question is, does magic strike twice? And the answer is yes. And I was like, okay that really settled something in my heart because the fear was, can I create this revenue again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I do the thing that I love and still make a living and a livelihood for my family and have my daughter by my side, which now she is right. Like literally not today, um, but sometimes <laughs> she'll hear me doing my podcast interviews because we're homeschooling her now. And so that was huge. And then you have all the lawyers and the contracts and like, do I really want to, maybe I want to stay. And we also got a second book deal on the table while I was still in the company. And it was a big book deal. (laughs) And I remember one of my friends saying, you don't want to write a book about the thing that you don't want to be known for. And I was like, Amen. (laughs) I was like, okay. And I remember like we, you know, I wrote the book proposal, the second one. And I was like, I feel like I'm shopping for a house with my soon to be ex-husband. Like that's what it felt like. Like I knew that I was writing proposal for a book I wasn't going to write. And so that was really, but that was also a carrot that was dangling. Like I could just stay one more year. And then my book, my name will be on this sec. It was, so that was very ego driven for me to stay. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was very heart driven for me to really take that leap of faith. And what was it like between you and Jen, you know, during this transition period of time? Yeah, it was an initiation. Like, I mean, we had coaching, we had mediation, like we were really trying to get to the root of what is it that we want for our lives? What is it that we want for this business? And I remember we did like, I move and make decisions in quarters, like in the three, three month, 90 day cycles. And we came up with an agreement of how we would lead the team, you know, with these, these new agreements. And I was like, I'll try it on, but I don't know if I'm going to like it. And I remember in December, I was like, I'm out, like I'm done. Like this isn't how, and for me with Simple Green Smoothies, product market fit, but not product maker fit because I'm not a digital girl. I'm a like speak on a stage, speak on podcast, lead retreats type of person. So I wasn't actually fully expressed in that business. So it was hard because it's like a business where we're business wifeys. Like we saw each other every quarter doing quarterly planning and seeing each other around the world. So to explore that option of me leaving was really hard. It was, it was, 
I remember we said on our last like in-person meeting in a mastermind that we were in together, we're like, um, guys, I know we've been doing this for a year, but we're consciously uncoupling now, <laughs> you know? So it was a definitely like very intentional, do it with love. And it was really hard. We had hard, hard conversations. Now I'm curious, and I've actually been curious about this for a while. I've just never asked you. Tell me about the name Love Over Metrics and what does that mean to you and how did you come up with it and and how does that play out in your daily business life? Yeah, so I, I came up with this term when I actually did my World Domination Summit talk and it was just something that I, I like... I don't know where it came from, but it was just like, this is how we grew this company was leading with love and not obsessing about the numbers. So I never had a vision to grow the email list to 300,000 subscribers or a million page views or all of those things. Like it was never numbers focused. It was always service focused and it was always people focused. Like let's love up on these people. They're paying attention to us. So I, you know, I had a policy of no comment left behind. So it's really bringing the humanity back into business and to not, I'm like looking, I'm like looking around at all my posters with my clients of like, but it doesn't mean we ignore the numbers. Like we do million dollar profit plans and revenue maps and all of those pieces. But sometimes I think that we can get obsessed with the metrics where we forget why we started the business in the first place. And this philosophy is not for everybody. Like I'm not here to convert the unconverted. Like I truly believe there's certain people who feel like they're doing business wrong or that they're playing business because they lead from this place, that they make decisions from their heart versus what makes sense on paper. And so I'm here to just give permission that, yes, you can care about people, you can care about serving and still make a lot of money. So it's just like love first, then the numbers, but not to get caught in obsessing over numbers that we lose our heart and connection to why we started in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. So now with what you've created after Simple Green Smoothies. Your, when was your contract officially over with them? Or is it, um, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when um, did it was, you yeah, totally. Officially leave, I should say. <laughs> November 2016. So I had that okay. conversation in like January, February, top of the year. And I still was like, am I, am I not? But yeah, by November. So it's, it's been, you know, two years, three, three, years. three, years. three years. Yeah. Three wow. years. Yeah. Now three years in like, what would you say if you could tell yourself something three years ago, knowing what you know now about having created an entirely new brand, mm-hmm. you know, although it's you, so it's not really a new brand, right? It's, it's like you. What would you go back and what wisdom would you share for the you three years ago? Yeah. So one thing that I would highlight is it's so uncomfortable in the messy middle, like you're going to have identity crisis. Like, who am I? Who am I to say this? What, what, wait, you guys, what do I really, what am I known for? What, what, what am I talking about? Like my masterminds were like, I was just repeating the same thing over and over again for, so just like also trusting the process. Something that I say is don't put a timeline on your dreams, put a timeline on your actions. And so I have big ambitions. I have big goals. And sometimes I don't hit those numbers right out the gate. And it's not for me to lower my ambition, but to extend the timeline. So I think that we can get really rushed and wanting a result so quickly, but we need to allow time for things to incubate and to settle and integrate. I will say there's words of wisdom of things that actually worked really well for me that I think would be helpful for people. One, I'm a mom. And I'm like the primary 
financial contributor to the family, right? Like, so looking at that, I was very strategic in my transition too. So I was testing my personal brand before I ever left Simple Grain Smoothies. Mm. So just also being smart, especially if you take care of other people, that you can do it in a way where you're testing projects to try on different models. Because I would just look at, I would get so jealous of like, I want that business. And I'm like, let me just try it and see what, what it feels like to lead a mastermind, to lead a retreat or those different things. So actually when I left Simple Green Smoothies, my personal brand was already generating over six figures. And so that, and you know, in entrepreneurial terms, that's not a lot because 30, 35% is going to taxes, but you know, like just to pay attention to those, those pieces that I had that soft place to land while I was trying to find myself and find my voice um, in that process. And I would also say being surrounded by a community of people who get you and your heart because you will get distracted and try to find coaches or mentors and masterminds where people don't really know who you are. So I think it's really important to have people in your corner that can reflect and kind of lift the mirror up and be like, oh, remember, this is how badass you are. Like, remember, you're Jada. Like, <laughs> all of those pieces, I think, are so important when you're experiencing so much doubt and uncertainty in that transition time. And then Oprah binge, like, that was my solve. Because she's like, trust that inner nudge. Like, you know, just like, be you, be full of yourself. I was like, yes, I am full of myself. So anytime I get dark or depressed, I just like, what's that one video, YouTube, Oprah, like I'll watch like a 45 minute talk with her. That just reminds me of like, this is how I live and I move in the world is really trusting my intuition, following my heart and being smart about money and about serving and getting creative and resourceful in the process. Mm. Amazing. All right. Before we wrap up, because I could ask you a hundred million questions all day, but I'm excited I'll get to do so in person soon. <laughs> Talk about the decision to homeschool Zoe and how you navigate that as an entrepreneur who I imagine works from home. Yeah. Yeah. How old is Zoe now? She's 12. And where do you live now? I'm in Walnut Creek. So just 25 miles east of San Francisco. Got yeah. It. Yeah. It's, it's expensive to live here. We, place, uh, we, we pay sunshine tax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Do. So while you're like wrapped in a, uh, I'm like a towel and a scarf, I'm like, I have like a t-shirt on, my arms are exposed. <laughs> so I watched this TEDx talk from this boy about hack schooling. And he was fourth grade when he ended up like his mom homeschooled him. And I was like, so that was always planted in my head. Like I want to homeschool Zoe by fourth grade. And I would ask her each year and she just loved her teachers. She loved her school and she was in public school, you know, where we live. And I always said, I'm an on-call homeschooling mom. Like, so if anything ever shifts, like I'm available for that. And then I remember going to this event and they're like, if you could do anything you know, without fear, if there's something that you would do if, if you weren't afraid. And it was like homeschooling Zoe. And I just thought that was so interesting of like, oh, I'm also afraid. It's something that I want and I'm also afraid to do it. So in sixth grade, Zoe started middle school. So she shifted from her, you know, quaint, cozy elementary school to all the people, all the things. And she actually started getting migraines mm -hmm. in middle school and like the fluorescent lights. And now she has like six teachers and most of them aren't great and don't want to be there. So there was just such a shift in that dynamic. And I remember being like, homeschool, homeschool, like, you know, and she's like, no, I want to give it a try. Like my, she so knows herself, which I, I love so much, but she's like, no, I want to, I want to stay in. I want to try.
try this on. And then there was a time where she was like, I'm ready to try homeschooling. And it was right before winter break. And then I resisted. I was like, oh, wait. I felt like the boy who cries wolf. Like I was like, just kidding. Like actually my husband and I, like it's like eight to three, we have free babysitting. And so, (laughs) and like we would go on lunch date, you know, we just had like our rhythm and routine. And I actually started, like I have an office that I rent outside of the home. So I've worked from home all these years and now I'm like, no, I need separate space from my home life. So I just had a really good rhythm where we would pick her up and I'd be done with my work day by three. And then we got into a research space as a family of like, okay, what does it mean to actually, what does it mean for our schedules? What does it mean for our priorities to actually make this a reality? So I went into research mode and talked to all, again, kind of like I did with the green smoothies and the plant-based, all my homeschooling friends and just asking for feedback and sharing any tools and tips. And I was joining webinars and just in this very concentrated time. And then by February 5th, we took her out. We took her out of school and now we've been homeschooling and her school schedule is so amazing and she co-creates it with us. So my husband was afraid too. And he's like, I feel like I've gotten stolen time with her. Like Mm -hmm. this was a season where she was so depleted when she would come home from school that she had no energy left to give to the family dynamic. And all of that has shifted And, and she's a high achiever. Like I'm like, it doesn't matter whatever grades you want. Like, just flow with it. I love you just the way you are. And she could care less. Like, she loves a good A and, like, straight A, like, wants to be the best. Like, you know, she's a voracious reader. So I feel that leaning into homeschooling, we've been able to make an interest-based schedule for her and for her to really pour more time into things that bring her joy and also her learning style. She's a visual learner and there's certain things that she wants to learn independently and certain things that she wants to learn in community where school just forces you to just learn one way with fluorescent lights and like, and migraine stopped. Like it was, you know, so now George is her PE teacher. So in the afternoons, (laughs) that's your husband. Yes. (laughs) So they hike together. He takes her into the gym. He's got her doing burpees now. Like she does incline on the treadmill. Like it's so cute. (laughs) And then from nine to 12 is her independent learning time. So that's where she gets to choose based on her subjects, you know, the different things that she wants to work on. And then the afternoons, that's when she has what we call micro schooling, aka car schooling, because my husband's just driving her to different activities. So she volunteers at the Animal Rescue Foundation. She takes a science class with other homeschoolers. She takes an art class where she's doing like charcoal and watercolor. What else? She does tennis with a friend, piano lessons. So we've found ways where she's still connected with her friends that go to traditional school. And then she also has opportunities to be with other homeschoolers. And she's pretty clear that she wants to try high school because of lockers. So we're just like unattached. (laughs) I mean, whatever. Because she gets to use lockers? Yeah. (laughs) I feel that they're really glorified in movies. So I can see how this could And books, right? And all the books that she's reading. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it all goes down by the lockers. Right. I get it. Yeah, I get the lockers. I'm very inspired by this. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I'm also an on-call homeschooling mom. Yeah. And I've added some entrepreneurial, like, in the... (laughs) We have a coming out moment right now. You know we've talked about it. We have talked about... Here's the thing. <laughs> there, I, I, so it'll be interesting as they get older. Yes, but will. right now, but there is there's definitely similarities between people that work around children all day long that I have started to notice over the years. 
And like those similarities, I don't have the patience for at this moment to like be a teacher, let's say inside of a classroom with kids. And so at this, it's like, at this point, I was like, there's no right now in our life. Now I'm just like, no freaking way. Yeah. And I think that's a difference for us. She had the foundation built in a school that she was thriving in and really happy. And then middle school, she already knows how to read. So she's self-educating on so many different things. And then we outsource again, micro schooling that like, I don't, I'm science. No, like, you know, I mean, I would do it how you're doing it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like your way of doing school. And one thing that we learned, like I added an entrepreneurial piece into learning what worked for her and didn't. So at the end of the week, I'd be like, what worked? what didn't work, what might we do different next time? And that really allowed us to get to a schedule that she felt really fulfilled, inspired and engaged with. And I just, I didn't want her to lose that spark for learning. And I started to see the light get them. And I think that's, that's something to pay attention to in your business. Like, should Mm -hmm. I transition? Should I shift? Should I alter as well as an education with your kids? Like, is there a light starting to dim? Is the spark Mm -hmm. going away? And it just means it doesn't necessarily mean homeschool, but there needs to be a shift and a shakeup in some way yep. because something's not working. Beautiful. Uh, but I'm down for the PE teacher role. You can be the PE teacher. Yeah, I'm in. All right. Yes. <laughs> that is all he does. That's his. And, and he, and he does the driving and the, driving. the, driving. So the activities. Yeah, I can do all that. He's yeah. the See? bus driver and the PE <laughs> I just like, I'm down. Yeah. Penelope, like it was, I worked out yesterday morning, I think. Yeah. In the garage. And Penelope was out there like it was the first time because her and Ruby will hang out in the garage with us as we work out. But like Penelope was my workout partner during it. It was hilarious. Yes. I'll be like, I got to go on the rower. And she's like, OK, I'm on the rower now. And then she's like, tell me when you got to switch. And I was like, let's switch. And yeah, it was funny. And I was she was just, doing her step ups. Yeah, she was doing step up the whole thing. So cute. Um, <laughs> this is just I, I'm really like excited about this conversation. I'm excited about the simplicity. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about the challenges. I'm excited for people to take what you share about your pivots and just investigate and even just what you just shared those three questions at the end of the week what worked what didn't work what what could we do differently next week brilliant if yeah. you do nothing else just start asking yourself those questions at the end of the week so where should people come to find you and connect with you yeah so i have the lead with love podcast and you can head over to jadaselner.com and my dance floor or my core platform is instagram and the podcast and if people also want since we talked about challenges at buildyourchallenge.com, I have a whole checklist and step-by-step process of doing your challenge. So genius. Good website. <laughs> well done. You're really crushing the domain names over there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Simplicity. Simplicity. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jada. Thanks. This was so good. I think you're the best. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you want to grow, scale, or start a business and utilize the internet to leverage yourself and get bigger results with less effort, the do less way, then you need to know about B-School. B-School is 11 years running, has a bajillion success stories, including Mike and I, and was created by our friend Marie Forleo, eight-figure business owner and New York Times bestseller of Everything is Figureoutable. This year, we are offering a beautiful do less, achieve more bonus package so that you can get the best results from the program with the least amount of energy and friction expended. So all you need to do to learn more is go to katenorthrop.com forward slash B-School. This opportunity only comes around one time a year and now 
might be your time. So check it out, katenorthup.com forward slash b-school.